Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Anytime you're in the Huntsville area, we hope you'll stop in and be part of our worship. Sunday morning worship is at 9 o'clock, with Bible class immediately following. Sunday evening worship is at 5. Midweek Bible study is held Wednesdays at 7. Good evening. I think some of you meant that. I'm not sure about the rest of you. Good evening. Always better the second time. Jesus liked to teach in parables. Perhaps you're like me. You like reading through the gospel accounts and you're sometimes stricken by the stories that he tells, the applications that he makes. Over the course of these few days, I want to think with you about some of our Lord's parables. The word parable that we have in English is really a transliteration. You just take the letters that you see there in Greek and you bring them over into English. And I only mention that to you because if you want to know what a parable is, you just have to look at that original word. It's really two words, a compound made into one word, and it literally means to cast or throw beside You see, what Jesus does when he tells these parables is he takes a story. He takes some happening that would be familiar to his audience and he throws that down beside some spiritual principle, some application that he wants to make, usually about the kingdom of God. And he thinks that if you can understand this natural story that he tells, then you can understand something about the supernatural circumstances of God's kingdom coming into the world. Jesus is trying to explain to people what it means to have God rule and reign in their lives. And he uses these parables to help them see and understand that. Tonight, I want to think with you about the parable we find at the beginning of Luke chapter 18. Turn in your Bible with me to Luke chapter 18. We'll begin our reading at verse number one. Now, this parable is sometimes called the parable of the persistent widow. And I suppose we'll take that that title for it here tonight. Beginning at verse number one. The Bible records these words, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? Verse number eight, I tell you. He will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And so when Jesus tells this story, he tells us about three people. The first, he says, there was in a city, doesn't name the city, doesn't matter. He says there was in a city a judge 
a ruler, a person whose job it is to to be an arbiter when people have disputes. If there's a problem that needs to be solved in the local community, people can't work it out for themselves. They they take their problem to the judge. There was in a certain city a judge. The Bible says that this man uh, was there and there's nothing remarkable about that. But there are two things that are notable. He does not fear. He does not respect God. He does not fear. He does not respect man. Now, I want you to think about the kind of individual that this must have been. His job, his function is to administer justice in the community. But he doesn't care anything about God, the one who requires justice of all men. And he doesn't care anything about his fellows. That is to say, the very people whom he's supposed to serve and protect, he doesn't care anything about them. There was in this city a judge. In the same city, Jesus says, there was a a widow. And I think maybe when we think about widows today, we miss something. We don't understand what widows would have been in this in this ancient Near Eastern culture. You know, sometimes today, if a if a woman loses her husband, if he dies, then then she might actually be better off financially than she was when he was alive. I mean, in our culture, women can own property. Women can hold positions. Women can do just about everything that a man can do in our society. But that's not how it was. You see, in this ancient Near Eastern culture, a woman's covering, her protection, was her husband. And so when she loses her husband, she loses her status. She loses her provision. She loses her protection. And Jesus says in this city, this judge is there and his job is to administer justice to protect people. And there is a woman in his city, in his community, who needs help, who needs provision, who needs protection. There's a widow there. Now, as soon as we meet the widow, we learn about this third person. Because she is being vexed by someone identified as her adversary. Now, we don't know much about this adversary, but we do know that he finds this widow and she is in some compromised condition. And in some way, in some fashion, he's taking advantage of her. He is somehow or another making her life more difficult. And so we have three people. There's a judge. In the city, a man of power and influence whose function it is to make sure that justice is done. There is a widow, someone who is being afflicted, who is in need of protection, who is in need of justice. And there's an adversary. A 'er ne'er-do-well, somebody who uh, is inclined to find a person in a compromised condition. And make their lives more difficult. These three people come together in the story as Jesus tells it. He says that the widow comes to the judge. Now listen to it. The Greek tells us that she's in the habit of coming and the ESV. That's what I read from the ESV tries to capture that by saying that she continually comes. 
That is to say, day after day, night after night, occasion after occasion, this widow continually comes to the judge and asks him, she's being, she's begging him, she's entreating him, avenge me of my adversary, I need your help. The judge, you'll remember, he doesn't have any regard for God. So there is no fear in his heart that there's someone who might actually look down upon the way he's doing his job, the way he's wielding his influence and cause him to give account for what he does and doesn't do. He's not motivated by that. You'll remember he does not respect or care for his own fellows. He doesn't care anything about this widow. And so what does he see? When she comes to him day after day, night after night, what does he see? He sees a nuisance. He says, no, I won't help. Now, the widow is persistent. That's why the parable is sometimes called the parable of the persistent widow. I want you to think about this. She's in dire need. And she comes to the person she knows can provide what she needs. And she asked this man, her heart breaking, perhaps she asked this man, she's begging and pleading for help. And he looks her square in the eye. And he says, no. He dismisses her and she leaves. But you know what? The next day, the problem is still there. You know, the next day, the adversary is still there. The next day, she still needs relief. And so what does she do? She goes right back to that judge because she knows he's the one who can give her what she needs. And she asks again. And the judge looks her square in the eye and he says no. What's she going to do? You see, the problem hasn't gone away. And the one who can relieve her suffering is still there. She keeps coming. And eventually our judge says, though I don't fear God, though I don't respect my fellows, I'm going to go ahead and and give this woman justice. Because she's going to wear me out with her continual coming. I, I just give you my translation there. She's she's getting on my nerves so badly that it's worth me doing the things she asked me to do just so I can get rid of her and go on about my business. Listen, he's going to do what she wants done, but he's not doing it because he cares about her plight. He's not doing it because it's the right thing to do. He says, I'm going to give her justice. Same word is translated righteous. I'm going to do the right thing because she's getting on my nerves by asking. You see, Jesus sees this. And notice the remark that he makes. Verse number six. The Lord says, hear 
what the unrighteous judge says. Jesus calls this man an unrighteous man. I just want you to notice something here. The man does eventually do the right thing, right? He does help this woman who's in need. He does eventually do the right thing, but Jesus calls him unrighteous anyway. Why? He does the right thing, but he doesn't have the right heart as he does it. Jesus calls him unrighteous anyway. And he says to his disciples, hear, listen, pay attention to what he says. Now, having given them uh, this story, you see, this is the. This is the story that he's thrown down. He's going to now put a spiritual application next to it. He wants his disciples to understand something about what it means to have God reign and rule in their hearts and in their lives. And so in verse number seven, he asked the question, will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? Jesus reasons here from the lesser to the greater. Did you see it? He says this unrighteous judge is willing to do what he should do if he is badgered and begged and perhaps shamed into doing it. Now, if a person who does not love God will do what he's supposed to do, if you badger him, if you shame him, if you make yourself a nuisance, if a person who does not respect you or other human beings will do what he's supposed to do, if you wear him down with asking, what will the God of heaven do? If an unrighteous ruler will provide what people need just because the people are persistent in the asking. What will God do? The judge does not respect God. He does not respect his fellows. The God of heaven, though, the God of heaven has provided For every human being that's ever come into the world. The God of heaven has given life. And when people abused their liberty, when they sullied their own lives, he sent his son into the world. Listen, God chose people out of the world. He sanctified people from the eternal consequences of their sin. He placed those people in his son, Jesus Christ. He has loved them. If an unrighteous man who does not love, does not care, will do the right thing, what will a righteous, loving God do for people when they come and ask him for his help and his provision? You see, he's reasoning from the from the lesser to the greater. Now, here's what he wants his disciples to see. There are going to be times where uh, you have trouble in your lives. You have difficulty. 
Maybe you have uh, an adversary. The adversary of our widow is not identified for us, but I can tell you who your adversary is here tonight. The Bible says he is going about like a roaring lion seeking whom he might devour. First Peter five and eight. We have an adversary. There is someone who, if he can find you vulnerable, is going to do whatever he can to make your life more difficult, will exploit you in the moment of your weakness, will take advantage of your lack of protection. You see, there are going to be difficulties in your life. There will be. And there will be adversaries in your life. There will be. And Jesus wants his disciples to know that that's what they can expect. Listen, in the previous chapter, Jesus tells his disciples that he's going to he's going to suffer and he's going to die. He's going to go away. And, you know, when he does go away, that's going to leave them somewhat vulnerable. They they, too, are going to suffer persecution. They, too, will be exploited if the opportunity arises. And when he tells them that, that's the kind of thing that might leave them leave, leave them sad, that might leave them forlorn. Now, listen, when that happens, when they find themselves in difficulty, and we know in the scriptures that the apostles will find themselves in difficulties, what do you think they're going to do. They're going to turn to the one they know can provide and they're going to ask him, they're going to beg him to provide and protect them. That's what they're going to do. And Jesus wants them to know and understand that sometimes when you come the first time, you will not receive the answer that you're hoping for the first time. Anybody in here ever pray to God earnestly Needing something. I tell you, I hope that you pray every morning before your feet hit the floor. I mean, I hope that you pray before you consume food. You give prayers of thanksgiving to God throughout the course of the day for blessing your life the way he does. And and I hope you pray at night, you know, before you before you pillow your head at night, you pray to God and thank him for preserving you throughout the course of the day. He didn't have to do that. And I hope that I hope that we all make time to to pray to him. But listen, that's not the circumstance that Jesus is contemplating here. You pray differently. When you get bad news from the doctor's office, you know, when you find out that that the tests were positive and you find out that maybe the case is going to be terminal, you you find out that you've got years of fighting ahead of you. See, when you get news like that, you pray differently. You know, when you find out that the person that you love is the one who's gotten the bad diagnosis, you pray differently. When you find out that your children have gone out into the world and made a mess of their lives and become addicted to this thing and that thing, you pray differently. You wake up and you find that the person that you've committed your life to has walked out or been unfaithful or something along those lines, you pray differently. When you're suffering, when you're in great distress, you pray differently. And when you go to God, you know he's the one that can provide. And you pray and you ask him that first time you beg him to give you what you need. You know what? You might not get the answer immediately. See, what do you do? Because some people lose heart when that happens. 
Some people give up on God when that happens. Jesus is telling his disciples, when the going gets tough, when it's really, really difficult, you don't give up on God. You persist in prayer. We don't have to guess about the application here because the text tells us in verse number one, Luke says, Jesus told them this parable that they should always pray and not faint, not give up, not lose heart. Have you ever been disappointed? I mean, bitterly disappointed in a person, in yourself. In a circumstance. You ever had your heart broken? See, when difficult things happen, if you're not careful, you can lose heart. Jesus knew that his disciples could lose heart. He tells them this parable, warning them of what's to come and telling them that when these things arise in your life, you You don't faint. You don't quit. You don't give up. He says. Will not God give justice. To his elect. Who cry to him. Listen. Day. And night. I'll tell you, I I tend to believe that whenever I pray to God, he hears me. He's aware of whatever it is that I've said to him. And I know that he hasn't forgotten. But sometimes whatever it is, is weighing on me sufficiently that I need to go and talk to him about it again. You've never been in that circumstance. That's never happened to you. See, God, God remembers. He's aware before I ever word the prayer. He knows. But I may go to him and lay something at the feet of his throne. And then I find the need to come back because it's still weighing on me. He says to his disciples that they will come day and night and God will hear. Listen, he's talking about his elect. The people that he's already chosen, the people that he's already sanctified, the people that he has loved in this special way. Jesus is saying, listen, God is going to hear you. Will he delay long over them? You know, I don't think that the idea here is just about time. You know, sometimes we think, well, you know, God is supposed to answer us within a certain period of time. Well, time didn't work for us the way it works for him. God doesn't really care so much about time the way we think about it. Will he delay long over them? And the reason I say that is because look at the next statement he makes. I tell you, he will give them just give justice to them speedily. The idea here is not just time, but it's suddenness. That is to say, you've got some problem in your life. You see some obstacle and it's there. You don't know what the resolution is going to be. God will work that thing out and he will work it out suddenly. You know, there are some things sometimes when I think about it that were pressing on my heart or pressing on my mind five years ago. And I can't even I boy, if I think about it hard enough, maybe I can remember. I don't even remember how God resolved it, but he did. 
There are some things where you say, you know, what? I don't know how this is going to work out. But you know what? It does. When the time comes, God will resolve it and he will resolve it suddenly, speedily, so much so that we can't even understand and appreciate fully how he did it. God will do it is what he's saying. You just be persistent. In asking. You know why we can feel good about persisting in prayer to God? Because he's not like the uh, he's not like the unrighteous judge. He does love us. He does care. It's not a nuisance when we pray to him. The Bible says that uh, God's hand isn't so short that he can't save. His ear isn't so heavy that he can't hear. But but people's iniquities separate them from God so that he won't listen. Isaiah 59, one and two. But God delights in the prayers of the righteous. If any man is a worshiper of God and does his will, him he hears. He's happy to receive the prayers of people who are living their lives to serve him, to worship him, to please him. I don't mind asking people for things if I know that that they're inclined to help me, if I know that they love me and I know that they want what's best for me, those are people that I'm that I'm willing to ask for help. You know, people who might scoff at me or people who might be feel like make me feel like I'm a nuisance to them. I don't like to bother them. But see, God is in the category of people who loves us, respects us, wants to help us. He says he will give you justice. He will give justice to them speedily. And then he asked this question. Nevertheless, When the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? What is Jesus asking here? Now, I just told you that there will be challenges and difficulties. He says that in the previous chapter. And I just told you that you need to persist in praying to God in the face of your challenges and your difficulties. Jesus has told them that he, the son of man, is going to go away, chapter 17, and he, the son of man, is going to come again. His question is, in the interim, while he's away and while the adversary, the prince of darkness, is ruling over this world and having his way with people's hearts and their minds, having his way in their lives, when he comes again, will he find people who believe what he just said? What if he were to what if he were to come back tonight? What if he stopped here at West Huntsville first? Would he find people who believe what he just said? People who live their lives on their knees, praying to God and trusting that God not only hears but that he loves and he provides. See, our lives look different when we trust that God hears, loves, and provides. I don't have to, uh, I don't have to take vengeance upon myself, even when people mistreat me. You know why? Because the Bible says vengeance is mine. I will repay. Thus says the Lord. See, if I trust that, then I can live my life a certain kind of way. 
There's a degree of stress and anxiety that I can have if I try to concern myself with things that are outside of my control in the first place. But there is a peace that exists in my heart when I trust God to deal with things that only he can deal with anyway. Jesus says, when I come again, will I find faith on the earth? Will he find faith in your heart? It's not what you say. It's what you do. It's not what you say. Everybody says, oh, I believe. I, listen, I, it's good. We should say that because it should be true. But, but it's not what you say that makes it true. It's how you live. Jesus says that we should be persistent in prayer because God provides. And so I'm asking you tonight, how is your prayer life? I'm not asking you if you pray for your meals. I assume that you do. I'm not asking you if you pray thanking God for your shelter and your clothing and so forth. I assume that you do. I'm not even asking you about the frequency of your prayer. That's not what I'm asking. I'm asking, how is your prayer life? Have you been praying to God always? Not frequency. In every circumstance. Have you been persistent? Have you maintained your faith and trust in him in your most dire circumstances? Do you have unwavering faith that God will provide? How is your prayer life? You can lose a job. You can lose a spouse. What you don't want to do is lose heart. There are some things outside of our control. But nothing is outside of God's control. And that's how Jesus expects us to live our lives. The good news for us is that we do have an adversary stronger than the widow's adversary. But our husband, if you will, is still alive. You see, as a part of the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, then we're we're married to Jesus. The church is his bride. And I know that he died. I know that he died. I know that he was buried. But you know what? He was raised again on the third day. And now the Bible says he ever lives to make intercession for us. We're not quite like the widow in that we're not with we are we are not without protection. We are not without provision. We have a spouse. We have a champion. We have someone who's looking out for us even right now. God can and will deal with whatever difficulties we face in life. Yes, he will. We just have to trust him. We just have to be persistent. It's not about whether he will do it. It's about whether we will hang on and be faithful while he does it. Nevertheless, Jesus says, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? There is sure recompense. Anyone who might do us wrong, God is going to take care of it. There is sure recompense. We just need to trust God 
He will take care of it. Listen, prayer is a special mode of communication that God reserves for his children, for his elect. Anybody, anybody in the world can pray to God. God doesn't listen to everybody the same. Now, did you hear what I said? People, people can pray to God all they want. It's not that God doesn't hear what they say. He doesn't listen to what they say in the same way that he listens to his children. Now, why do I say that? God is aware, but he doesn't listen to people who don't listen to him. I say this to people all the time. People, well, God knows my heart. Yes, that's the problem. That's the problem. He knows your heart, all of it, not the part that you're willing to share with me. He knows all of it. God knows everything. When you pray to God and you ask him to do all these things in your life, he's aware that you're asking. He's also aware that you're not listening. He reserves this special channel of communication, prayer, for people who listen. Are you listening to God tonight? Do you believe Jesus Christ is the son of God? You know, because he is. It's just that that's not going to have the blessing, the benefit in your life that it ought to have if you don't believe it. Do you believe God when he says this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased? Hear ye him. Do you believe that? See, because it's true, if you believe it or not, it's not going to bless your life, though, if you don't believe it. Jesus Christ is the son of God. He died for my sin and for yours. He came into this world to fix our sin problem. He came into this world to overthrow our adversary. He is the solution. Do you believe that? If you do, it's not just what you say. See, it's how you live that determines if this is true. If you believe Jesus is the son of God, then you'll have to change your mind. You have to say, listen. I've been living the way I wanted to live all this time, but I believe Jesus is the son of God. I believe he is the Lord and savior. And so now, rather than live the way I want to live, I have to live the way he wants to live. And so whatever it is that I've been doing in my life, to the extent that it doesn't line up with what Jesus says he expects of me, I have to change because he's not going to. That's what repentance is. You know that, don't you? Just a change of mind. Jesus is not going to change his mind. God is not going to change his mind. If you're going to be on the same page with God, you have to change your mind. Do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? Are you willing to change the way you've been living so that you can bring your life into compliance with God's will? That's what repentance is. If you are. If you are. See, you can do that right where you sit. If you are, if you're thinking to yourself, you know what? God is right. Jesus is right. I want to be right. You can do all of that right where you are. But if you want to be right, you have to take some you have to take some action. It's not just in your mind. It's not just in your mind. You have to take some action. Jesus says, if you confess with your mouth that you believe that he's the son of God, Among men, he will confess you in heaven with his father. If you deny him, if you say with your mouth, I I don't believe Jesus is the son of God. He says, I'll deny you before my father in heaven. The Bible says confession moves us closer to being saved. What am I saying to you? I'm saying to you that if you want to be right, you're going to have to open your mouth and say with your mouth what you believe in your heart. I believe 
Jesus is the son of God. And you'll have to be baptized as well. Why baptized? Because Jesus said, if you want to be saved, you have to be baptized. Jesus said, if you believe and are baptized, you'll be saved. Mark 16, verse 16. Peter, one of Jesus' apostles, says, baptism does also now save us. Listen to it. Baptism now saves us. There's no such thing as a saved person who's not been baptized for the remission of sins. There's no such thing. Baptism now saves us. Why? Because Jesus was he died and was buried and he rose again and we participate in his death when we are baptized in water. The Bible says we are buried with him and then we are raised to walk in newness of life. If you want to be right with God, if you want to have Jesus as your champion. Hear the gospel. Believe the same. Repent of your sins. Confess Jesus with your mouth. Be baptized in water. And after that. Walk in the newness of life. Trust God. You'll still have difficulties and challenges. Yes, you will. You don't lose all difficulties in life when you come out of the waters of baptism. But you know what you gain. You gain God's provision. In Jesus, you gain his protection. My question to you tonight. How is your prayer life? Your prayer life is a reflection of your faith, your trust in God. How is your faith? We're going to stand together and sing this song of invitation. And I remind you, whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. If we can help you tonight, please let us know how we can as we stand and sing this song of invitation. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word. If you would like to continue your study of New Testament Christianity, please send your name and address to World Bible School, West Huntsville Church of Christ, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Or if you prefer, send your name and address by email to WBS at westhuntsville.org.